If you are stuck in the grind and don't know how to get moving, if you have lost your dream or struggle to know how to make it happen, if you have been dreaming of changing the world, but you're not sure where to start, the Add Valued Entrepreneurs podcast will help you transform your life with tools, knowledge, and support that will allow you to create a thriving business that aligns with your values and goals. This podcast is for entrepreneurs who want more freedom and fulfillment from the work they do so they can live the life they desire. You deserve it. It is possible. This show features interviews with people who have already created success in their lives and businesses and stories about everyday people living extraordinary lives. It's time for you to add value. Today's guest, Jackie Hollywood Brown, is a military spouse. Her family has moved 13 times in the past 30 years and lived in five different provinces in Canada, the UK, and the United States. Because of this, she could never hold a job for more than two and a half years. Opening her own business as a virtual assistant was a way for her to work from wherever she lived. She loves to help small businesses succeed by designing systems, structures, and processes that improve productivity, efficiency, and cohesiveness. Jackie, I am so looking forward to learning about your life and business and just so grateful that you're joining me today. Thank you, Robert. I'm honored and delighted to be here. <laughs> so military spouse traveling all across Canada, what leads you to decide to start your own business? Well, I think I've always been in my heart an entrepreneur when you move as many times as we have done, we've moved 13 times in 30 years, lived in five different provinces, Canada, the United States, and the United Kingdom. You're always looking for that next job. And I've always, I, I've never held a job for actually more than two and a half years. So you're always putting yourself out there as offering your services. And as a military spouse, you, it's hard to take anything permanent a permanent position so you're always marketing for your skills for that next contract job so it's short-term contracts part-time contracts and at a point i just said you know what i have this skill set i'm going to open my own business and at the time it was 2004 and i opened a business as a professional organizer and we moved in 2005, 2006, 2009, and 2013. So in those first nine years I was in business, I was in startup mode five, four or five times. <laughs> so it was, it was really hard. Um, and then I finally, we moved to England in 2013. And I don't know if any of your listeners are familiar with, but when you move to a new country, you have no credit score. <laughs> you, you have no credit score. And I wasn't employed. My husband was, and the military gives you a piece of paper so that you can open a bank account in your new country that said, you know, this person is going to be paid. But me as a civilian, I had no, I had no paperwork. I, you know, I had no credit score. I had nothing in my name, no bills, no nothing. So when we moved to England, I thought, okay, well, I'll just, you know, start up my professional organizing business here in England. And I couldn't get, I couldn't open a business account. I couldn't open a personal bank account. I couldn't get business insurance. I, uh, they said, oh, after about six months. 
you know, you'll have enough that we can offer you business insurance. And we were only there for three years. <laughs> so it was no point for me to, to start up a business. I ended up managing the duty-free store on the base. And then when we moved to Texas, uh, I had had a little job writing for a website called Unclutterer at the time. I'm very grateful to Aaron for giving me the job. And then I just built that and morphed that into a virtual assistant business, which is what I'm doing now. Okay. So I've been yeah. doing that since about 2015, 2016. And of course the difference is you can take that with you. Exactly. When I, when I started my professional organizing business in 2004, I mean, building a website was the new in thing. You know, uh, nobody had, uh, you know, nobody had a web presence. People were still getting yellow pages ads, uh, you know, going to networking meetings. And now, uh, you know, with the explosion of, of internet, and now everybody understands what it means to work from home. <laughs> yes, we do. You know, it's, it's, it's uh, much easier to run a virtual assistant business. And so what led you to, to transitioning, obviously, professional organizer, um, helping people organize their space and, and business to, to the virtual assistant kind of administrative side of? Well, as I mentioned, the, the fact that I couldn't, I, I mean, it wasn't worth it for me to start up. But prior to moving to England, so in 2011, I met someone at a barn and where our, our daughters took, uh, were in the pony club. And I was talking to this other little girl's parent and he, we started talking about purple eggs and protein content of eggs. And he said, how do you know this? And I said, well, I have a master's degree in food chemistry. Cause he, he raises chickens in the farm and so he gets out his, whips out his blackberry and it's, it's the first show of the year, it's March. It's like, you know, it's still like only maybe, you know, 45 degrees inside the barn. And he pulls it off his mittens and he taps me and, he, you know, he's, I'm gonna send you an email. He says, send me your resume. And it turned out he was the uh, human resources manager at Kellogg's. <laughs> and he brought me in uh, to help if they were expanding their facility. And he knew I was an organizer but he didn't realize that he, I had the chemistry, food chemistry degree. So he brought me in to help organize their facility. And I started into the document management and became their document controller. And I just loved it. Like I love that part of organizing. I wasn't so keen on going to people's houses and like, I, I liked it. I liked doing it, but it wasn't my sort of niche. So I got right into the records management and spreadsheets and databases and document control and all that stuff. And then when we moved to England, I went back to college and did an online certificate in records and information management. And then I, again, I got the writing job and it just sort of people kept saying, oh, you know how to do this? I'm like, yeah, well, okay, can you do this? I'm like, why am I not charging money for this? <laughs> so I started building up and building up and getting a client base and reaching out to some of the people that I knew. And 
There we go. <laughs> so, uh, I, I'm I'm a I'm a document struggler. So, <laughs> so for me to understand somebody that that loves to organize documents and keep all these things figured out, it's like um, it, that. There's almost a, a, a it rings of untruth. <laughs> and I know that's just my personal connection to documents and, and uh, it's not, it's not easy. It's something that everybody struggles with. I myself have my, my hard drive and I will all of a sudden I'll open a folder and I'll go, I, I look at the name of the file. I'm like, I, I don't know what that is. <laughs> I'm like, okay, I got to get control of this. I got to get control of this. So, you know, I, do some a little bit of work and you know in the end it helps with productivity with keeping organized as well as maintaining the integrity uh, of my business <laughs> that's important <laughs> hard to put yourself out there as an organizer <laughs> live in a completely disorganized space well yeah it, it is it is well, i suppose there there may be some out there <laughs> although they don't have the love for it that you've obviously already shown Oh yeah, I, my first job uh, was in a library, making sure everything was classified. I, you know, I loved science because it's very orderly and methodical. Uh, and then to to every job that I've had, you know, that's the portion of the job that I enjoyed most. Okay, how can we do? How can we be more organized with our, our things and manage our time better? so that we can get more done in less time. Very good. <laughs> so obviously moving all of the time, uh, changing from a job to a, a, a owning your own business back to a job uh, and then to a new, completely almost new field. Um, how, how are you able to build connections and, and create those, this network? <laughs> you know, it was always very difficult prior to social media. I mean, social media is one of those double-edged swords. You know, it, it can make your life very much, very easy because it allows you to stay in contact with everybody that you've ever known. But, you know, there are downsides to social media as well. I'm not gonna get into that, but I try and use it to keep my connections alive. It, it was hard, you know, you send out a whole bunch, you know, it used to be hard. You, you'd get your address book before you move, you know, everybody's address before you moved. And then you'd send out Christmas cards and half of them would come back, not at this address, moved. And you'd lose touch with people. Fortunately, the Canadian military is so small. It, you know, they talk about the six degrees of separation. Yeah, the Canadian military is so small, there's only one. <laughs> You, everybody you know knows somebody else that you know. Oh, that's good. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, you, you eventually hook up with all of those people again. I mean, there was someone in the news the other day, and I'm like, oh, yeah, you know, we were with them. Uh, we were with them in Gagetown and then in Victoria. And we've, you know, my husband was on a course with him over here. And so, yeah. Nice. And so what, what's been the most effective in using social media to maintain connections or create new connections? I think the main thing to maintain connections is, you know, those people that you like, those people that you get along with, is 
to, to keep reaching out every once in a while, you know, like their posts or, you know, comment or, you know, send them a direct message if you know it's their birthday or an important event or if they post something interesting. And if you find something interesting, so make sure that you share it with them. It's like, hey, you know, your interest is turtles. Um, you know, there's this great article on saving sea turtles in Atlanta, Georgia, or whatever. And, and they, they appreciate that, that, that you take the time. I mean, it's, I don't have a huge following, and that's on purpose. Because I can't maintain that many connections. I know a lot of people go networking and it's like, you know, and they've got like thousands and thousands of connections and Facebook friends and Twitter followers. I can't keep up. I would rather have fewer connections and much deeper than I would have those, those light connections. Nice. Well, and obviously building, building deeper connections helps keep that one degree of separation, right? <laughs> Yeah, it does. I mean, when you're when you're a new business owner, back when I first started my organizing business in 2004, I went to a conference and they were talking about marketing. I said, yeah, you know, when you get your business cards and you go out and you tell everybody you know, your hairdresser, your butcher, your you know, babysitter that you've got this business. And I'm like, we just moved here. I don't have a butcher. I don't have a hairdresser. I don't have a babysitter. Like what? Who am I going to tell? Like nobody knows me. And it, it was really hard. Most of the clients that I got, most of the other connections that I made were within people within my own industry um, who knew what my, my strengths were or needed extra hands on their jobs. So. Nice. Well, and, and now transitioning to virtual assistant, all of those organizers that are busy organizing houses still have a business to organize. <laughs> Yeah, they do. Um, I don't have, I have two organizers in my roster right now. Uh, they both live in different geographic regions and they both have completely different business models. And I'm not taking any more professional organizers. <laughs> and one, one person I did take on who was a professional organizer said, look, I just need a little bit of help just to, you know, I'm super busy. I need some help. Can you ghost write a few blog posts for me? I said, oh, yeah, sure. And so I wrote the blog posts and I run them. I, everything I write, I run through a couple of different plagiarism checkers. And bang, it popped up. And I had plagiarized myself for that from that other writing job that I did. <laughs> so so I, don't, I don't write for professional organizers anymore because that's, no, I just keep plagiarizing myself. <laughs> At least you're plagiarizing yourself. Yeah, well, but to see, the thing is with the other writing job, I wrote it, but I don't own the copyright for it anymore. <laughs> like I wrote for them. So while I get the byline, they own the content. So I'm like, oh, no. That's, that's a, a, I guess that's an interesting challenge to have. And so. It is what it is. So who is, who is your ideal client that you enjoy serving the most? <sighs> Most of them are, uh, they're, they're good people to work with. They're, they're flexible, they're understanding. Um, they, they have usually a small biz, like they're one person maybe they hire on, they have a one or two employees or a couple of subcontractors. 
they're in an industry that I understand and know. Like I wouldn't take on anything in the legal field. Like that's beyond my my scope of knowledge. But I choose my clients more for the type of people they are, and for their character, and you know the fact that they don't mind that I look like a twelve-year-old Minecraft player. <laughs> <laughs> they ring through, and I answer the phone. So. Well, and we should clarify that the the twelve-year-old Minecraft player statement. <laughs> oh, video game, video gamer, like I, you know, the hoodie, jeans, you know. Sometimes you wear your hood backwards and eat popcorn out of the hood. <laughs> Not really, but yeah. So, so basically, you're you're a victim of working at home. I am a victim of working at home, and I, I you know, now that I've done it for a number of years, to get dressed up and get out the door to get to an office. I'm like, that. that's not interesting for me. <laughs> so the hoodie, the hoodie's a lot easier. Yeah, yeah, leggings and a t-shirt, jeans and a hoodie, I'm, I'm happy. <laughs> nice, just need to do more voice calls than video calls. Well, they, that's, that's what I mean. Like if, you know, I, I, one of my clients called, called through and she's like, I said, well, if, you know, I can explain it if we can share a screen. She goes, oh, well, if you don't mind, she's like, I just got out of the shower because I just got home from the gym. I'm like, I don't care. <laughs> That's okay. Nice. So, so they have to have a good sense of humor too. That's that's important. So so how did you develop the confidence to, to work with clients? I didn't at first, like I didn't have any confidence at all. Like I knew how to do things, but I thought, okay, well, doesn't like everybody knows how to do that, right? And apparently not. Because people, people would say, well, do you know how to do this? I'm like, oh yeah, you just do this and this and this. And they're like, I'm lost. I'm like, okay, well, I'll do it for you. Like I, I, I can figure that out. Like I, and I, so I thought, then I, I started to build up a little bit more confidence and, you know, say, oh, part of it was when I worked at Kellogg's, um, one of the staff members came to me and said, do you know how to, you know, do this with, with MS Word? I said, oh, yeah, you do this and you do this. She said, ah, I went to school, I took computing and stuff for my admin course, and I didn't know how to do that. How did you know how to do that? Uh, I've been using Word since it was invented. Old, like <laughs> so I think that uh, just realizing that I know stuff that a lot of people don't know and I have a very good cheerleader at home um, my husband is is one of my biggest cheerleaders so nice. yeah, do this go out and do this so that's very helpful absolutely that's an important part of of having confidence. All right. So on that note, what was uh, what was your most memorable date with your husband? I wanted I want to say the first one because I met him on a blind date, <laughs> and we ended up getting married. But I'm going to go in 2015. We were living in England, and we were lucky enough to have a tour. Uh, go on a bus tour of the World War One battlefields. Oh wow! And there was one night we were sitting, and, and we took the kids with us. We were sixteen and nineteen at the time, and of course, 
in Europe, it, it's a little bit different life. Like if you're 16, you're in a pub, your parents can buy you a beer. That's, a, that's normal. So we were all, we all ordered different beers and, and we taste tested all around the table. We had a really nice evening discussing the difference between French and Flemish and Dutch and discussing the battlefields. And that was, it was just a really nice evening. Wow. That does sound very fun. So obviously you've traveled some, um, what's a favorite place? It's hard to say. I mean, there's lots of places I, okay, I really enjoyed Paris and I really enjoyed Inverness, but I also, you know, really enjoyed Formacto, New Brunswick, just like 5,000 people outside Fredericton. Like it's where you go and when you go makes a huge difference. But there are lots of great places. It's hard to make a decision. I agree with you. I've been lots of great places and I couldn't pick a favorite and, and, and people in every one of them are, are always terrific. And so yes, it's, it's I always say a smile's universal. Absolutely. Absolutely. So in, in creating yourself as a, as a virtual assistant, obviously ghostwriting became a piece of that. Um, what other elements does, does having an assistant help a, an entrepreneur with? Uh, virtual assistant, different virtual assistants do different things. I, I do ghostwriting. I also do proofreading and editing so that if an entrepreneur does decide, okay, I want to put out a product, you know, a downloadable ebook or whatever, I can go through and make sure the formatting is done. It's all consistent with their brand. I'm very, you know, particular about that. Um, a lot of times, some of the entrepreneurs that I work with, I have to say, well, if entrepreneurs, as I'm sure you know, there's like, they are idea machines. And they come up with these things, and this new, and this is new, and this is new. I'm like, well, is this part of your brand? Like, is this, does this align with your brand, what you're building? Um, no, but it's a good idea. I say, <laughs> yeah, it's a, let's park that in the back burner. Let's consider this other one, which is more in line with your brand. So I kind of try and be, uh, you know, a sounding board and support for them and keep them aligned. We discuss goals and objectives and where they're going because it's important for me to know to make sure i stay within the boundaries that they've outlined but you know a lot of times they'll jump out and like but i thought we were doing oh yeah right <laughs> come back uh, i do i do a lot of document as, as i mentioned document control document management hard drive organizing i help them with time management getting their schedule helping them move from, you know, their contacts folder on their computer to a customer relationship database, getting all those sorted out, you know, the streamlining of messages, um, emails, like email newsletters, those sorts of things. I do a lot of website work helping them keep, you know, 
make sure their website is you know branded that the voice and the tone are the same the colors match the images are appropriate and not stolen from pinterest those sorts of things that's what i aim to do now obviously you've, you've chosen your niche and now you know who you who you don't want to serve because <laughs> organizers you, there's too much overlap from your previous work um but is, <laughs> is there a particular niche of entrepreneur that you like to work with um no i think as i said it's just you know nice people who whose brand and industry i understand who are ready to work with an assistant i've i've worked with some people that aren't ready they aren't <laughs> ready to let go you know, like let's you no know, let's discuss this okay you know let, let me deal with it but 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 i said no like if you're not ready then you can do it well, no, I want you to do it, but I want, you know, that micromanaging. And some of them at the beginning are like that, but, you know, it's okay. We, we, we can, they, they realize after a few times, okay, now it's going to be all right. I also tend to work with people. One of my clients said she was digitally disabled. <laughs> I'm not sure that that's a politically correct term, but she described herself as that not me where she just she just doesn't get like she doesn't get a database she doesn't understand how she got somebody set her up with a customer relationship manager she doesn't understand how it works she just she doesn't get the technical details so i, I manage that for her so how do you help clients determine what they can delegate and what they shouldn't delegate um it's their decision to help them decide i'm like you know what i can do do you know how to do that and do you know how to do that effectively and efficiently and if they're like yes i'm like okay if you're cool doing that go ahead and do it if i have seen them do it and i'm like oh, no this is painful let me do this for you just tell me what you want the end result to be and i will do this for you if I know that it's in my skill set, I will offer to do that for them. If they really want to do something because they like it and they enjoy it, then they do that. I mean, I can see the, the struggle of, of letting go of, I mean, obviously most entrepreneurs have had obviously 100% control over their email and over their folders and over their filing system and over their the emails that they write or the blog posts that they create and yet the value of, of delegating and sharing that load allows them to get back to that creative part you were talking about, right? They, they're always coming up with ideas. Yeah, exactly. And I don't, I'm not a person that deals with that. Like there's a lot of virtual assistants who will, you know, answer emails and phone calls and stuff for their, I don't do that. I don't work with the people side of it. I say they, you know, some um, potential clients will ask me, oh, you know, will you do my email? I'm like, look, if you want to lose business, hand it over to me because I, I'm, not, I'm not a people person. I don't, you know, I would rather, like, if you want me to collect all your information, 
that you have sent out over the past and create some standardized responses so that your system can answer them back, um, you know, to the frequently asked questions that I can do. If you want me to, you know, phone them and, you know, make the sale. Nope. Well, it's kind of a transition from virtual assistant to secretary, right? <laughs> yeah. Yes. And I, I do, I just don't do that. I'm not comfortable with it. I'm not the person I can clinch my own deals. I can't clinch somebody else's deals. Good. It's good that you know where where your lines are, but I I just understand how it, it'd be so it's challenging for an entrepreneur to say I can delegate that, and then how do I create a system that allows me to know it's being taken care of, but I you know I've still delegated it to somebody else, you know, almost to the point of automation, right? Yes, and that's what I try and get things automated and funnily enough i try and work myself out of a job i know that sounds crazy when i was at at kellogg's and prior when i was at i worked at dupont for a while i set up their document system so that there were minimal touch points so you know these are and there was a procedure a policy and a procedure and this is how it went and the only time people had to interact was here, here, and here. And it all flowed. It all flowed. And that's what I try and, and do for my clients. Is that you know, it comes in, these are standard, and then every once in a while we go back and say, is, is it still working the way we need it to work? And if it's not, well, then we make adjustments. And if it is, we just, okay, we checked. Yeah, systems for uh, documents can be can be super challenging. Obviously, every business has tax documents that they have to keep for a certain number of years and and keep those secure and safe. And then and then just correspondence documents that who knows how long you know. I worked for a church and and we kept we kept all those letters for years and years. And then you know when we were finally doing this document sorting, it's like, do we ever reuse any of these? letters to as a format or a template like yeah and there's a whole there's a whole thing um that you, you need to build which is which is called a retention schedule that's how long you need to keep which documents for example your church i mean they may not have wanted to keep you know correspondence from everybody but there were maybe key parishioners or key benefactors or you know the bishop that they might want to you know, that was part of the church history that they wanted to keep. You don't need to keep your quarterly statements if you're keeping your annual statement. But but you might want to keep your an annual statement, even though the tax government tax people uh, say, oh, you know, you only need to keep it for five or six years. Well, you might want to keep your annual statements for as long as you're in your business. So you can see, you know, the ebbs and flows over years and, and look back and then plan on that in the future you know like if you know that you know the last quarter of the year september to december is always going to be slow based on 10 years of history well then you can say okay well then in september to december i'm going to use that time because i know it's going to be slow i'm going to use that time to create a new product to review my systems to develop something new whatever 
but if you know that your clients are slow in that time, then that's fine. You've got some history to look back on to do that. Nice. Our our retention schedule was pretty much keep everything. Let's get a bigger hard drive. Yeah, <laughs> and that's, that you start running into problems too because if you haven't deleted stuff, well then anybody can go back and look for <laughs> any reason, and that might be that might not be to your benefit. Well, and it just gets you know, at some point you can't put it on the cloud, and so you can't. They have enough backups and you can't have enough hard drives when a hard drive fails. Um. <laughs> and that's, that's one of the other things I discuss with my clients. Back up your system. Back up. Not just, oh, yeah, we sync to the cloud. But no, you need an external hard drive to back up to. And then you need to create a backup on some cloud drive. Plus, you need to sync in the cloud. Because if you don't, my old. <laughs> My oldest daughter told me, I know she was about uh, 17, and she said, Mom, there are two types of people in the world. Those who back up their hard drives and those who have not yet had their hard drive fail. <laughs> wise child. She's a programmer now, so I... I... Uh, yeah. The, I, I happen to have an opportunity to sail, and uh, they... They have a similar saying about sailors. There's two types of sailors, those that have gotten seasick and those that lie about it. <laughs> so, yeah, I like that. Those that have, those that back up their, their hard drive and those that have never had a hard drive fail, which, you know, is, although the technology is improving, it still happens. And Yeah, it does. I mean, we had, uh, when we moved in 2006, we took, uh, that was back we had a pc and you know you had cds all of your original software was on cds well that computer went in the moving truck and we had this big binder with a zipper i don't know if you remember that i still have a couple right on my shelf yeah so that you stored your cds and well we had that in in our vehicle and our vehicle was broken into and that was all stolen oh. so they stole all our original software they store all of our backups. Everything was gone. Wow. Yeah. So all we had, and we were hoping and praying that the computer that arrived at our new house, when it arrived and we got it set up, actually worked. Because if it didn't, we, you know, and, and we, those backups had um, logins, passwords. So we were frantically at that time, fortunately it was 2006 and so not everything was online, but we were frantically going and changing usernames and passwords. And the next year we bought a password manager system. <laughs> nice. uh, I try and get every single client using a password manager. Well, it definitely makes it a lot easier, especially if you're going to add a virtual assistant because then you give them access to certain things through the password manager and and you don't have to reveal your passwords so yeah i had i had one um organizer that i was helping uh, many years ago back in 2007 i think and she said well can you help me with my website i don't know you know how to do this because there's not working i said yeah and so she told me her username and password over the phone I'm like, that's a pretty easy hackable password. And she goes, yeah, but I can remember it and I use it for everything. 
from my website to my bank. I'm like, oh my God, no. <laughs> No, no. So I'm like, you know what? All I need is your email address, which I have, and this password, and I can log into your bank and drain your funds. She goes, well, I never thought about that. Oh. Well, and, it's, and I remember those days, right, of having having to have the original CD to be able to reinstall the software versus now you can log into most companies' sites, download the new version, and with the login, they've already kept your your keys and your your access and they know that you had that software installed on that machine or this machine and yeah, so I, much so much different than it was <laughs> yeah I, one of my very first clients virtual as a virtual assistant um she had her laptop she put her laptop in her suitcase on the train and then sat went to the bathroom and then went back because she was debarking and somebody stole her laptop and before she had gone on the trip, uh, she had uh, she had gone to a weekend conference. Before she'd gone, I made her get a hard drive, and I showed her she was on a Mac, so we used the Time Machine backup, and she backed it up, and she lost one file. She she, she called the insurance, she got a new laptop, plugged it in. In five minutes, she was up and running. And she lost one file, the file that she had started on the train on the way home from her conference. Nice. So, so important, right? Create a, create a backup and have a regular system for backing it up. Um, yeah. And, and create good, strong passwords. And it's, nobody can get into your system if they do get it. Yeah. Just don't create them so strong like Bitcoin that you lose it and you can't, you'll get back to your Bitcoin money ever again. That's why you use a password manager. You only have to remember that one password to open your password manager. And I use a system called One Password, which I love. They have, a, they give you a PDF that you fill in. It's a recovery sheet that you can share with your emergency person. Nice. And yeah. So we, our whole family, we share a, a specific cloud folder that all of those documents in there. So if anything happens to my husband or me or the kids, we can get into each other's computers. Ah, so smart. Yeah, and, and you, you need to. I mean, my husband was in Afghanistan for a year. And, you know, he said, I, I need this, you know, I need this file, I need this, can you, you know, and I'm like, well, I, can, I can go into my bank account, I need, you know, pay my credit card bill, done. Well, and you just you just never know. My mom my mom has Alzheimer's, and so all her passwords went away with her memory. And uh, you know, you never know if there could be a medical incident or or something happens. And yeah, so that's a great that you share it with your kids, and and everybody has access to this to this cloud drive that that yeah. contains the important the important yeah. documents. You know, the other thing that we learned when our computer files were stolen when we moved is that you do need that extra backup and we have this the one password allows you to store all of your um, essential your what you call them the keys that your unique keys for your owning the software you can also store your social so you call it social security numbers um, any health card data, your passport information, your driver's license information, and it all stores that securely in the cloud. So if your wallet was ever stolen, you could easily log in because it's 
access on your phone, log into your phone and say, okay, here's my passport number, here's my driver's license number, and at least have access to all that do those documents where you are. And yeah, if you could, if, while and your phone is stolen, well, your, your emergency backup person can get that all for you. And they have that all. Oh, so important. Those are great lessons for anybody, not just entrepreneurs, obviously having, you know, the one password is, is a really important tool, but, but also having those, uh, essential documents, you know, for your family, all kept in one place. Um, especially those of us with aging parents, um, helping our parents transition their documents <laughs> and, and, um, and, and then of course, as your kids move out and start their own lives, they, they've got their own collection of documents that, <laughs> that they need, but also having access to whatever, you know, your requests are and, and will and those kinds of things. Um, my so husband, important. My, yeah. My husband is the executor for his aunt. She had no children. So he's, the head nephew so he's executor and she has a file in her filing cabinet that says what to do when i'm dead or almost and that's where she keeps all of the stuff that we would need because you know he's her power of attorney to you know it's you know her copy of her power of attorneys there her lawyer's name is there everything that he would need if she's dead or almost it's a great file name yeah. And, and the truth is, it's one of those things that all of us put off probably. Um, and, and, and it's really, it's so important until you don't realize how important it is till you need it. And, uh, you know, especially like power of attorneys, my mom, my mom and dad had a power of attorney, but if they hadn't, she couldn't sign it. And, and all of the issues that we've dealt with since in the last three and a half years that she's been in a facility, um, would be much more complicated and involve more money with the court and everything else. And so highly recommend one password, essential documents in a folder. And now but what to do in a dead folder um, sounds really important to have. Yeah. And we, we call those in records management, uh, we call those vital records. <laughs> and if you own your own business, for heaven's sakes, get your vital records together for your business. So it's be your, your business license, your articles of incorporation, um, your, a copy of your business insurance, uh, a copy, a, a list of all of the assets that your business has. And you're just like, oh, you know, I'm a virtual assistant. I don't have any business assets. Well, yeah, I've got my computer, my desk, my chair, you know, my headphones, my, my phone. Um, all of those are my business assets. So I have to have those. So, you know, all of the list, value, serial number, when they were purchased, that all of those things a small business has to have, as well as a list of who owes you money. <laughs> so if you're, it's like say there's a fire or flood and, and your business goes down, to have access, again, one password will let you do that, have access to those vital records, you can pull it up, you've got your most recent monthly statement, you can still keep operating your business. And you can still keep that income flowing in because you know who owes you money. Now, if people owe you money, they'll find you and ask for it. So you don't really need to keep who you owe money to. <laughs> That's so good. Who owes you money? People aren't going to come. Oh, am I supposed to pay you? They don't do that, right? So 
you need to keep that list as well. Nice. Now, obviously, you shared some of the challenges of, of moving and relocating so often. Um, but combined with that, you were also raising a family. So what other challenges have you had in in running your own business as a as a mobile military mom? Oh, God. I mean, there were days when I, weeks, when I didn't do business because we were moving. I had to get the kids settled. And that, that was one of the challenges of being in startup all the time is we would move and... Well, I guess you call it PCSing and permanent change of station. In Canada, we call it posting season in July, August. So you get there and you, you know, the kids start school August, September, and you get them settled. By then, you know, you get into a routine, you get your house set up. It's December, everybody's on holidays. And then, you know, January comes along, you think, okay, fine, I can start ramping up my business. And then you get the next set of orders to move the next March. Really. So there were days when I just let my business languish, but I let my kids prosper. And when I look back, I say, okay, yeah, I could be farther ahead in my business. You know, when I look at LinkedIn and people that I graduated, oh, celebrate so and so is 20 years at whatever company. I'm like, mm -hmm. but but I look at my children and I am, I have never, ever regretted the amount of time and effort I put into raising family. Nice. Ever. Good. I mean, yeah. it, it, we, we did it on one salary. It was hard. There were some times, um, but we, we, we did what we had to do. Nice. So you mentioned, I think you've mentioned some coaches, um, mentors. What, what have mentors meant to, to building your business and keeping it going? I have never, in the traditional sense, I've never really had a mentor. I, I was in those contract jobs up until the time I started my business as a professional organizer. And I had wonderful people. Don't get me wrong. I had wonderful people who helped me. But I wouldn't consider them mentors because it's not the long-term thing. And when you're at a part-time or short-term contract, the regular employees tend not to invest heavily in you because you're not going to be there for long. I met some great people who did help me immensely when I was going through uh, those short-term contracts. When I started my organizing business, I went through... I had some people help me and I did find a mentor someone who I considered a mentor and um, we worked together in the association and you know some things happened and there was a really hard time and when you work with a mentor you, they learn like you have to tell them okay I'm this is my weak area here's my but here's my vulnerabilities and i don't know how to handle this and and this person exploited all of that oh. specifically hard time and left i i had to leave i had to leave it was it was getting it was very bad and i had to leave and i said no i can't do this anymore 
to buy. I have since found other people and I much prefer working with short-term people who can help me out. There are not a lot of people who move as much as we do, who own a business, who understand, who are raising a family at the same time, who understand what that's all like. So if I need a specific help on a specific thing, I will call a specific person to help me with that. But I am very, very gun high of investing my time in a mentor. Hmm. Sounds like an opportunity to uh, to mentor to a small community, though, to for you to pass on the things you've learned to others that are coming into that community. Yes, yes, I yes, I will. I do pass on my knowledge whenever I can. I'm very happy to help. I'm happy, happy to give back. Anybody who needs help, you know, here's what I can do. I do mentor somebody through my Toastmasters group. Nice. That's been that's been nice. Good. Well, and having been taken advantage of obviously affects your personal growth. What other ways have, have you intentionally grown yourself to handle your business? I think one of the ways that I, and actually it was a lot about listening to your podcast over the past few months that have that has really sort of helped me hmm. because now I can say okay when I'm successful that's my definition like my success is my definition what I am willing to do and what I'm able to do that's me and that's okay and I don't need to compare myself with other people because I set my goals and I shouldn't be reaching for what somebody else sets for me. Oh, that's so good. And I, I mean, if somebody is out there and they've got, you know, a little hobby of know, beating necklaces or petty point and they're, you know, maybe giving them to friends or maybe selling a few at a, you know, church craft fair or something. And I said, gee, maybe I'd like to get into business. Well, you can have an itty bitty biz and you can call it a business. It doesn't matter how much money you're making. Just run it like a business, track your income, track your expenses, run it like a business, try and break even. And if you're enjoying yourself and you're not draining your personal or family's finances to keep your little Hobby is going. That's okay. That's your success. Absolutely. Yeah, we absolutely get to determine with intention what our purpose is. Yeah. And if you know you're only beating three necklaces a year and that's all you can do, and you know, you're breaking even at the local school craft fair, that's fine. If that if you call that a success, then you are successful absolutely and 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 you can have the big dream too if if you want to build a manufacturing plant that makes beaded necklaces for you then you can absolutely. do that as well absolutely i mean if that's your goal then that's fine but you set your goals and you know you reach them and if you don't oh well you know try try again <laughs> absolutely 
it's a there's a real scientific element to being an entrepreneur being willing to try and learn and try and learn and try and learn um and and you set the hypothesis right and that's the that is the important thing right your business is yours to command and you don't have to live up to somebody else's expectation um, you don't have to build it to to somebody else's measure um and so certainly but but be intentional have a goal of, of some yes. sort and so that's why I said, be intentional and set your own goals and you can be successful on your own terms. And that's the important thing. Well, I definitely want to appreciate you for listening to my podcast and, and getting me on the rating scale in Canada because somebody sent me a note and said, your podcast is moving up in Canada. So <laughs> Jackie is, is <laughs> Jackie's the reason. <laughs> so, so thank you for that. Um, thank you for this great conversation. Just one last question I always ask is, you know, that young entrepreneurs, and you just shared some great wisdom, um, but typically I ask for, what would your words of wisdom be as you're leaving the table for that young entrepreneur? Just your last words. Um, do you have a bleep button? <laughs> We've uh, we've we've had we've had an occasional word uh, before, so I think we're okay. Yeah. Okay. So <laughs> budget. Do your own thing. Set your own goals. Define your own success. Absolutely, Jackie. Thank you so much for joining me today. I sure appreciate. It. What a great conversation, and I definitely think there was some very helpful things um, that people can definitely take action on, and I appreciate that. Thank you. Well, if you enjoyed the show, please like and subscribe. We have a free gift for you at addvalue2entrepreneurs.com. We've created a collection of the top tips that have been shared on our show for entrepreneurs. Do you struggle with procrastination, putting off the work until the last minute? Well, you are not alone. Many of our clients start there. We are launching a new five-day challenge to help you take more action and make more money in your business. Each day is a 10-minute video lesson and a worksheet. If you take 15 to 30 minutes to do the worksheet, it will change your life and business and exponentially increase the amount of work you get done each day. Right now, it is only $27 and contains five of our best tools for helping you move forward. It can be found at addvalue2life.com slash action. Thanks for joining us. Have a great day.